You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Christ did glorified God the Father. Do you see a pattern of giving all glory to God in your life? Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. And now he declares, my work's done. But it wouldn't be completely done. It wouldn't be completely done until several hours later when he's hanging on a cruel Roman cross. And then it would be completely done when he cries out, Teletestai, it is finished. Your life has been saved by Jesus. If only you believe... Friends, know that Jesus has offered you a way to experience God. Pastor Dave today will give you a glimpse of Jesus' heart as he prays, a heart focused on his Father in prayer. Jesus appealed for strength to do what was needed so you and I can see God. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 17. As he continues his message, Jesus prays for himself. Why did he say this? Why did he say glorify the Son so that the Son could glorify the Father? He knew what lay ahead. He knew the pain. He knew the anguish. He knew the suffering that was awaiting him. But his only desire was to glorify the Father. He was not seeking glory for himself. Scripture says he could have called legions from heaven down to smite everyone while he was hanging on the cross. He could have come off that cross and taken names. Those nails didn't hold him to that cross. He was up there by his own free will. He held himself to that cross. All he wanted to do was glorify the Father. And as I read this, I started thinking about me. As I go through a trial and as I go through affliction, as I go through suffering, am I looking to glorify the Lord? Or am I just looking to get out of this trial as soon as possible? Can we just get this over with now? Or am I looking to glorify God in the midst of it? Am I looking to glorify the Father in the midst of my trial, in the midst of my suffering, in the midst of my pain? Is that what I'm looking for? Or maybe I want to glorify myself. Look what I did. I got out of this trial pretty good, didn't I? No. The Father wants to be glorified. Are we often, so often, we seek glory for ourselves, and these are wrong motives. We desire to be recognized. Our problem is our flesh desires glory. Our flesh desires glory. Come on, I've said this before. Turn on a college football game. Not one of those teams is yelling, we're number two. We're number two. Everybody wants to be number one. We all want our flesh to be recognized. We all want the worship and praise of man. We want to be noted as the best, the greatest, the most holy. I want to be noted as the honorable right reverend. Yeah. We all want that. It's a fleshly desire. But oh that we would all echo the Apostle Paul when he said, God forbid that I should glory in anything save the cross of Jesus Christ. God forbid that I would glory in anything except the cross. Wow. Jesus was seeking to give glory to the Father. It was through the cross 
that Jesus brought glory to the Father. From a human point of view, the cross was a revolting, barbaric thing in every way. It was certainly, in our vocabulary, cruel and unusual punishment in every single way. But from a divine point of view, the cross revealed and magnified the grace and glory of God. The grace and glory of God are magnified to the 10th degree on that cross. You read Ephesians 1, and two times the Apostle Paul uses the phrase, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And he uses it in connection with our salvation through Jesus Christ. Why? Because our salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ. God's righteousness law required me to die because of my sin. But Jesus took the guilt of my sin and died in my place. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. God laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus did that for me. So all I can do is praise God. All I can do is say, thank you, Jesus, and praise God. That's what I'm born to do. All I can do is give him glory and praise for his grace that constantly comes towards me. I praise the glory of his grace. Jesus was seeking to glorify the Father. We should try to do this too. Everything we do, we should strive to glorify the Father. Let your light so shine that men might see your good works and give you a pat on the back. No. That they might glorify your Father who is in heaven. When you ask God for a blessing, ask it so you might glorify him. Lord, help me in this so that you could be glorified. Help me in my endeavor to speak your gospel so that you could be glorified. Help me to shine the light of Jesus Christ into a life so that you can be glorified. Jesus continues in his prayer in verse 2. As you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Again, he's speaking, still speaking in the third person. You have given him. He is speaking about himself. Also, in this verse, I see another clear and concise claim of Jesus' deity. Here is another clear and concise claim of the deity of Jesus Christ. He has authority over all flesh, and he has the ability to give eternal life to all that were given to him. Only God can make that claim. Only God can make that claim. So Jesus is claiming that he is God. Remember, he and the Father are one. This is a well-known fact to the writers of the Bible. It's a well-known fact to the writers of the Bible. Listen to some of these things. In the Messianic Psalm 2, in verse 7, the Spirit says, I will declare and decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. Daniel, speaking about the coming of the Messiah, says in 7.14, Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Jesus himself said in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. John writes in John 3, 35, The Father loves the Son as and given all things into his hand. 
And finally, once again, we go back to that beautiful scripture in Philippians 2.9. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, Jesus, and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See, it all leads to the glory of the God the Father. It all leads to his glory. And what does it mean to me that God has given Jesus all power over all flesh? Has put all things in subjection to him. What does it mean to him? Well, one thing means he has the power to destroy me. He has the power to take me out. Or he has the power to give me eternal life. But then there's a crazy thing he gets, lets me choose. He says, you're either with me or you're against me. You're not both. You're either with me or you're against me. He, for some reason, he's given me free will. I can submit to his authority or I can rebel against his authority. But I only have this right because God has allowed me this right. God has given me this right. And if I rebel, I have nobody to blame but myself. However, if I submit to his lordship, he gives me eternal life. Note the word give, and it's used many, many times during this prayer. Jesus has given to us. What has he given to us? The most marvelous gift that anyone has ever given. He has given us eternal life. He's given us eternal life by his death on the cross. It is a gift. And you know the beautiful passage in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. When Paul writes this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. He's given us this gift. If you could earn eternal life, it would no longer be a gift. It would no longer be a gift. Eternal life is given because Jesus has finished work on the cross. I've been asked many times, what is eternal life? Well, as I've always said, the Bible is the greatest commentator on the Bible that there is. And eternal life is defined for us. It's like Bible for dummies. The eternal life is defined for us in chapter 3. It says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. He just described for us what eternal life is, that they may know you. God, the eternal God. We sang that everlasting song. Wasn't that cool? You are the one true living God. You know what's cool about that? Dana and I never even talked about what he was going to do for worship. The Spirit led him to choose that song because it fit perfectly with the message today. He's the one true living God, and we sang that. To glorify you. To glorify you. The eternal life. That I may know you. And here Jesus is speaking directly to the Father. Lord, that they may know you, Father. I want them to know you. Jesus calls him the one and only true God. You know, there are many gods out there. A lot of them floating around. But there is only one true living God. That's the Lord God, Jehovah. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven. Oh, that's a song of mine. Jesus said, this is eternal life. This is eternal life. Where is eternal life found? Eternal life is found in an experiential knowledge, or gnosko, of both God the Father and Jesus the Son. Eternal life is found in the exponential knowledge, means knowing them. Knowing them on a personal level, not just reading about them. Jesus already said you can't know one without the other. 
You can't know one without the other. If you only believe in God, you will never be saved. You will never be saved if you don't believe in Jesus Christ. Well, I believe in God. Great. James says, well, so do the demons. Demons believe and they tremble. There are many devoutly religious people who believe in God, but have no personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And it's a sad commentary. There are people stuck in the religious box because they can't get out of it because they only believe in God and have rejected his son, Jesus Christ. They'll tell you there's a God, but then they'll argue with you about the son. Eternal life is not something that you can earn. You can't get there with your good character. You can't get there with your good conduct. And you can't get there with your good looks. Eternal life is a gift we receive by admitting we're sinners. Admit that I am a sinner and that I ask forgiveness and I repent and I believe on Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus Christ and him alone. So eternal life is God's free gift to those who would believe upon his son, Jesus Christ. And he continues to cry out to the Father in verse 4. He says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus glorified the Father through his entire life, all the way from his circumcision to the dedication of the temple in Luke, through the years of obedience in Nazareth. He glorified the Father through faith, through obedience, through the work, through the years of his ministry. Every sermon he preached, every blind and sick person he healed, every time he instructed the disciples, every time he confronted the religious leaders, every question he asked, every loving person he touched, and everything he did, they all glorified God. Everything Christ did glorified God the Father. Do you see a pattern here? Do you see a pattern of giving all glory to God in your life? Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. And now he declares, my work's done. But it wouldn't be completely done. It wouldn't be completely done until several hours later when he's hanging on a cruel Roman cross. And then it would be completely done when he cries out, Teletestai, it is finished. It is done. The work is done. What is finished? The work of redemption for man. The work of redemption for man is complete. The path back to God has been made. There is now a bridge to cross the great divide, the great chasm that exists between God and man because of our sin. There's now a path that goes over that huge chasm. There's a bridge that has been built and it's been made out of a cross that we can get across that side and we can come into the arms of God. According to Job, the daysman has come. According to Paul, the mediator is here. Man does not have to be alienated from God anymore. Man can now walk in close communion. He can walk in fellowship with the Father once again because the work of redemption has been finished. It is now complete. Provision for man's sin is now made. That which once separated us from God has been done away with and put away forever and ever. And now we can have fellowship with him. To the glory of God, praise God. Praise God. Do you understand that? Do you really understand that? Does it really take that into your heart, what has happened here? This is glorious news. This is fantastic news. This is news we want everybody to know. This is news we should shout from the rooftop. This is news that everyone needs to hear this. And then Jesus makes his final request as he prays for himself in verse 5. And now, O oh Father... 
Glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. He wants to be reunited with his Father. This is so touching to me. This is so touching. He has been separated for what seemed like an eternity. He had been separated from his God positionally. He has been separated. And there will be one more separation. And it's the heartfelt separation that when the sin of the world comes upon him and the Father looks away. Oh, the pain he must have felt. The pain he must have felt that the Father looked away from him. The Father never leave him or forsake him. But on that day, when he hung on that cross and he took the sin of the world, your sin, my sin, and it came upon himself, Dad looked away. The Father looked away. Oh, how that must have crushed him. How that must have crushed him. But he wants to be reunited with the Father as it was before the world was. John opens his gospel. John opens his gospel, and we studied it at length. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was a light of men. And he's talking about Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I want to come back and be reunited like it was before the world began. I want to come back and be together with you. Before the world began, the work you've given me to done, I've completed it. I've done everything you set me to do. It's done now. Oh, let me come back. If Jesus were not God, he would not be able to pray this. He would not be able to pray this one thing if he were not God. So, did the Father answer Jesus' prayer? Did the Father answer this prayer of Jesus? According to Peter, as he's speaking of Jesus and Peter in 1 Peter 3.22, he said, Who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels, authorities, and powers being made subject to him. Paul writes in Ephesians 1.20, Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set it on his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is not named only in this world, but also in the world can come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of all, that fills all in all. Yeah. Father answered Jesus' prayer. And he now sits enthroned at the right hand of God the Father. And if you can receive this, those of you that have accepted his sacrifice on the cross, those of you that have believed in him for salvation, you are seated in Christ, and your position now is at the right hand of God the Father in Christ. And you are there if you can receive that. If you can believe that and know that that's positionally where you are. We're in this timeline, yes, but positionally, that's where it was. Read Ephesians. It says that. We are seated in heavenly places in Christ. Sad and tragic thing is, there are many men across the country who are now seeking glory for themselves. They're seeking to lift themselves up and be glorified. Even in ministries, God forbid. God forbid that I should glory in anything except the cross of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.29 says that no flesh should glory in his presence. No flesh. We need to seek the Father. We need to seek the Father in all his glory. Everything we need to do needs to be done for the glory of God. 
Do all things as unto the Lord. It means do all things as unto the Lord for his glory. That others would come to know Jesus Christ just like you came to know Jesus Christ by somebody's witness, by somebody's words, by somebody's prayer. Just like you came to know Jesus Christ, that all would come to know him. For in Christ, I'm a child of God. And if a child, then I'm an heir. And if I'm an heir of God, then I'm a joint heir with Jesus Christ. But that is a gift that has been given to me. And it's a gift that has been given to you. Free gift. If you would but accept it. If you would but reach out and say, yes, Lord, it's mine. I want it and I receive it. He's not going to hold you down and force you to take it. It is out there for your taking and let the Spirit move you into that realm to receive that gift that God has given you by His Son, Jesus Christ. Do you realize what the gift that God is offering you cost Him? You really realize what it cost the Father to give you that gift. He had to watch with his own eyes his beloved son, his only begotten son, hang on a cursed tree and die. That's what it cost the Father. It cost him everything. And he gave it up freely. He gave it up freely for you, for me, for the entire world. He gave it up so that others could come in. He gave his own life so that others could come in to the Father and have the same fellowship that he has, the same inheritance that he has, to become his brother, his sister, to become one with him and one with the Father. Oh, if we would only take note of what we've been given, if we would only realize what has transpired, oh, how our lives would change. How our lives would change. Because of Jesus Christ, because I've accepted his sacrifice on the cross, I now belong to God. And I can claim myself as a child of the Most High God. And I can call him my father. No, I can call him Abba, Father. I can call him that dear, endearing term because of what I have accepted by faith. My life isn't my own. I've been bought with a price. And the price was the blood of his beloved son. That was the price that I was bought with. And I am his, and he is mine. And I abide in him, and he abides in me. And the fruit that is produced will last, because it's much fruit, more fruit, will constantly last. Not because of me. Not because of me. I'm just a branch hanging around. I can do that. Yeah. It's the fruit that is produced because of him. Because of him. And as I submit more to him, more fruit comes out. And more lives are touched, and more people come to Jesus Christ, and more people hear the gospel message. It was granted to me. It was given to me because of a cross. Because of a cross. These scriptures are so powerful. They are so life-giving that we dare not take them lightly. But we look at them and allow the Spirit to wash over us and cleanse us as we draw ever closer to Him through these beautiful words that John penned here, the words of Jesus Christ. You are the Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. 
Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at AssureHopeRadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's Word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.